0: We're gonna get the call here. We're getting the-
1: What's up guys, welcome back for another episode of Rangers Review, by far the craziest, and we thought the last episode just a couple of days ago was going to be the craziest, but no, this season has had quite the roll wins, and has easily been the most hectic, the most bizarre, the most outrageous season that the Rangers have been able to come up with. With all these different factors in a 56-game year, God forbid if this was a full 82-game year, it is not, luckily. We have so much to unwind. We are going to do that for a special episode of Rangers Review, but not so special in a positive way. We have a lot that we're going to be getting into. You guys know why you clicked on this. Um, We apologize for this being a day or two late, just given our schedules. No one expected what happened to happen. So, Stephen, before we get into anything today, how are you doing, my friend?
0: I, I don't know. I don't know i don't know what to think what to feel i woke up this morning thinking i had a bad dream and then realized that it wasn't It was everything that happened in the last 72 hours is just crazy um we go from tom wilson acting like a criminal to him getting away with it to the rangers making a statement which i was fully on board with to then The Rangers getting fined $250,000 for that statement, which is ridiculous. And then we play in a game yesterday where all bets were off. Bujnevich ends ends up with a one-game suspension. Gordon and Davidson are fired. What the hell is going on? Let's 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 backtrack,
1: Stephen, because we're gonna break all these down one by one. Okay, so let's start off with this Rangers statement. So, as you guys know, over the past day or so, Rangers came out with a very detailed statement, really calling out the NHL and Tom Wilson and George Peros and why he is deserving, why he should not be the head of the AHLPA anymore for his lack of competence as the leader in suspending finding players when he himself is a goon. We've been over this before, but from our previous recording, we didn't know for sure if anything would come out with Wilson and what should have been a clear suspension on Artemi Panarin for what he did to him, manhandled him. I don't care what you guys have to say. There's nothing that can justify that in the game of hockey today or has been for years now, for that matter. And nothing was done of it. It was just a 5K suspension on Pavel Buchnavich. So the Rangers go balls in and do something that no team has done in Angel's history to this extent. They give a thorough statement calling out the NHL for their incompetence, Tom Wilson and George Paros. And in doing so, this led to a trickle-down effect beyond words, truly beyond words. And Steven, is there anything that you would like to add? Regarding this statement, before we get on to what exactly are the repercussions of what has transpired here?
0: Yeah, I'll quickly read through the statement so people, people know what's in there. Um, so the statement of the New York Rangers, uh, New York Rangers are extremely disappointed that Capitals 4, Tom Wilson was not suspended for his horrifying act of violence last night at Madison Square Garden. The fact that they refer to it as a horrifying act of violence shows you how the Rangers feel about this. Exactly. Um, Wilson is a repeat offender with a long history of these type of acts, and we find it shocking that the NHL and their Department of Player Safety failed to take the appropriate action and suspend him indefinitely. Wilson's dangerous and reckless actions caused an injury to Artemi Panarin that will prevent him from playing again this season. We view this as a dereliction of duty by NHL head of Player Safety, George Peros, and believe he is unfit to continue in his current role. So they are calling out the NHL, they are basically saying George Peros is not suited for his, his position. He should be fired. And this is a guy, George Peros, this is a guy who has a clothing line that promotes violence in hockey. Let's let's get that straight. He was a goon when he was on the ice. This is he did not the right guy to put in that position. But they had uh, Brandon Shanahan in the past who was actually doing a good job in that position. When there was no suspension, we still got videos explaining why there was no suspension. It would now all we get is a video explaining when there is a suspension, and it's not George Parros. It's it's just it's just a video. When in the past it was Brendan Shanahan in a studio addressing the people watching the video. The Rangers took a risk, but they stand up for their players. Um, I'm not sure how Davidson and Gordon felt about this. But I do know that the players are 100% behind this statement because the Rangers stand up for their players with this. um They got fined $250,000, which is more than the Sharks were fined with uh f- in 2015. Uh, back in 2015, Rafi Torres was suspended for 41 games. And the San Jose Sharks, in a public statement, disagreed with the ruling. They didn't call for anyone to get fired, they disagree with the ruling. That that statement back then by the Sharks got them a one hundred thousand dollar fine. So I expected this fine to be more than one hundred thousand dollars. It turned out to be two fifty. Um, my first response to the fine is worth it. Do it again. I mean, pay the NHL five hundred k and and make another statement. This this should not be. You shouldn't be fined for speaking up and trying to protect your players. But then again, this is the culture that North American hockey has to deal with. And I said this earlier today on Twitter. This is not a hockey problem. This is a hockey in North America problem. These issues do not happen in the Swedish league or the Finnish league, even the Russian league. And you when would know. I, I I watched these games. Uh, Rangers prospect Adam Ekstrom at the beginning of the season was suspended for, I think, five or six games. Yeah for a hit to the head. Doesn't matter if it's intentional or not, hit to the head is a standard uh, suspension. Whether you are a repeat offender or not doesn't matter. And by doing so, they have eradicated those type of hits from hockey. Hockey is a safer sport for it. The NHL just doesn't care about player safety. And um, there was a quote from a general manager about this whole thing. And I'm gonna I'm gonna read the quote. I don't think what Wilson did was was a suspendable act. I think that statement is part of the problem with society right now. Everyone wants everyone to be fired. That isn't how it works, and that's not how you do it. George has the worst job in hockey. On every decision, one team is happy and one team is pissed. See, this, this I already disagree with because it wasn't just one team that was pissed with this. There were fans and people affiliated with other teams, Islanders, Devils, Penguins, Bruins. They were all shocked that Tom Wilson got away with this. There are former NHL players like Dan Carcillo, John Scott, Jeremy ronick Sean Avery. Uh, Sean Avery, uh, who who came out with a statement basically criticizing the NHL and the Department of Player Safety for the way they dealt with this. But – the problem is that neither the owners nor the general managers nor the league care about player safety. They've proven that time and again. What bugs me the most is that the NHLPA, the Players Association, seemingly doesn't care either, which is weird because they are the players. There is a, a, there's a problem in hockey in North America, specifically in the NHL, that this, this league is run by people who used to play hockey in the 70s and 80s when things were different. But life was different then. You know, when women who were pregnant in the 70s and 80s smoked cigarettes. They don't do that anymore either. Times change with science and, and testing and, 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 you know, you, you find out things that you learn from and you adjust accordingly. Uh, when the first cars were invented, there were no seatbelts. Now there are seatbelts in every car and it's mandatory. I can go on and on giving you examples, but the point is the owners and the general managers and the people that run the league are still stuck in the 1970s and 1980s. And it's it's not going to change. And it's it's awful that we're probably going to have to wait for someone to be paralyzed for falling neck first on the ice or maybe even worse before something changes, and it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, and I want
1: to add, to how the issue here is the NHL promoted this, and we're going to be getting into the game shortly. That transpired in the last game between the Rangers and the Capitals, but they promoted this. It makes you wonder how much incentive was there that, oh, the Rangers, coincidentally, were going last night at the time of recording this, at least, we're on a Wednesday night rivalry game on NBC Sports against the Capitals. It really makes you wonder that if that was not the case, if maybe this wasn't a rivalry game, would anything be different? That's what I want to know because I think that I have a solid answer as to that. Mm-hmm. And I think we all do too. Everyone, everyone chimed into that game. It didn't matter Look, if you were a hockey fan.
0: And last night's game, it started off with three fights off the face off, which was um, predictable. Um, look, I, I like physical hockey, and if there is a fight here or there, I enjoy it because you know it's part of the entertainment. What I do not like is when there are staged fights like this. You have three fights straight off the face-off. I mean, where's the excitement in that? It was when when Smith went after Tom Wilson. You could sense that everyone in the arena was like, "Okay, this we understand," but those three fights in the first two seconds of the game meaningless. But you could you could tell that the entire game the Rangers were trying to prove a point, attitude, and they crossed the line. Butchnevich um, got a game misconduct and a major penalty for um, high sticking, cross checking uh, Anthony Mantha in the face, and that led to a one game suspension, which is still one-game more than Butch-
1: what Tom Wilson got.
0: Uh, look, in a vacuum, Pavel Butchnevich getting a one game suspension is the right call. Because it was it was an unnecessary thing to do. It was wrong what he did. It's just it, a hypocrisy I'm pointing out he, here. He targeted a player away from the from the puck. Uh, game misconduct and um, and a one game suspension. Nothing to complain about. What it does highlight is how inconsistent the NHL is. Because this gets a one game suspension. is beer gets a two game suspension for cross checking an opponent in the back, which during during open play but Tom Wilson gets away with what he did to never Navage and Panarin. Connor McDavid shoves uh Niels Hoaglander's face into the ice and gets away with it. Sidney Crosby does the same thing to Travis Keneckney gets away with it. There is something seriously wrong with this league where there's just no consistency. And the referees yesterday were the referees we should have had on Monday. Um there were many. Uh, uh, Ryan Strome fought Lars Eller, and I think Anthony Betetto fought someone else as well. Uh, yes, Michael. fine. You know, it wasn't as bad as the Islander, uh, as the Islanders Penguins game in 2011. If you remember that one, I do. That that was bad. It wasn't that bad. It was, it was bad for the time we're in, 2021. It was a pretty bad game, but. Yeah, it was it was this is this is what you can expect when the league doesn't take action. When you have a department of player safety, your teams and your players should be able to rely on that department to police the game for you. This is and and I know that some old school hockey people will say no, we should players should police the game themselves. Yeah, that's 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 not the case. You know, you, you don't you don't police the game yourself when there's a de- Department of Player Safety in charge. But the Department of Player Safety is incompetent. But what it comes down to is this. The NHL is run by people with an outdated mindset. And I don't know, maybe they have brain damage themselves from too many hits to the head. I don't know. Well, you let me know because
1: George Peros is the one who controls a lot of this. I, I highly doubt that that man is fully competent.
0: Yeah, but... Having George Peros in that position is one thing. Having general managers come out to defend George Peros, that just amplifies the problem the NHL has.
1: Absolutely, and you need to talk, You need to take a hard look at which general managers exactly are these.
0: It's a much wider in. problem than just George Peros. And for some reason, these general managers that 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 say these things decide to remain anonymous. I mean, if you stand behind your opinion, be a man and and reveal yourself you know, oh no, no you and, don't and want bad pr god forbid no you add, can't do that. Add your name add your name to that statement be a man add your name to that statement but they, they won't no they're schmucks so, well, I, guess, well. I guess deep down inside they know they're wrong but i'm all I'm for physical hockey you know and um I have no problem with physical hockey. I have no problem with a player once or twice going too far with a hit where there's a little bit too much force in a hit and it results in a major penalty. That happens. But again, I keep coming back to what I said in our last recording. What Tom Wilson did had nothing to do with hockey. It was after the whistle, first of all. And what he did had nothing to do with hockey. He wasn't, he was defending himself to a point, but then he took it too far. And that should have been the suspension. He shouldn't have been suspended for standing up for himself when Panarin jumped on his back. That's fine. But when he pulled him down by his hair, that's where he crossed the line. Then Panarin goes down, and then he punches him in the face when he's in the defensive position. That's too far. What he did to Bujnevich, too far. But he gets away with a ridiculously low fine of $5,000. I I did the math. Compared to his average annual value contract, Tom Wilson got fined 0.09% of his annual salary. That is to, to put that into perspective. That's that's the equivalent of a $27 fine for someone earning 30k a year. That's the equivalent of the fine that Tom Wilson got for what he did to Bochnavek. This league has a problem and it's not going to it's not going to get fixed uh, not in the next few years. No. And, There's and only I- the, there's going to need to be a change of ownership, a change of direction. And it's not going to happen until these old school guys are out of office. But by then, I'm afraid we're going to replace them with, um, unfortunately, yeah, guys that are now in the league, <clears throat> like, you know, types like Tom Wilson and Wayne Simmons. And oh, can you imagine if guys like Milan Lucci, and Wayne Simmons are in charge? It's just going to be the same thing all over again. Yeah, it's just
1: it's going to be renewed, but it's going to be this continuous cycle of a circle, just rotating and rotating and rotating. There's no way off for something to change.
0: Yeah, it's a continuous cycle of dumb decisions made by dumb people.
1: And I want, I think this is a perfect segue now because I have plenty that I'm going to share on regarding the Rangers and that game in particular. Uh, really focusing on their retaliation but before we get that towards the end of here because this will be a shorter episode today we need to highlight here what is the exact reason why we're talking for the most part i know the statement and the fine are important and i also think that they plenty coincide with what we're about to discuss that we all know about so yesterday at the time recording this guys i wasn't feeling good i went i was taking a nap something i normally don't do literally a 45 minute nap i wake up I go on my phone, as I usually do, see, checking my Twitter notifications, and the first thing I see is Elliot Freeman, and one, I make sure it's verified ma- to make sure it's not fake, because I-, I thought it was. I sat there for a solid five minutes, and I thought it was fake. Uh, to see breaking that James Dolan, the owner of the New York Rangers, and of course, the um, New York Knicks, because MSG, fired John Davidson, president of the New York Rangers, and GM Jeff Gordon. And when I first saw that, I, I re- I truly thought I was in a dream, waking up from a nightmare. Okay, let's get, let's snap, let's snap out of this right now, please. And I'm not exaggerating whatsoever. The timing of this all was terrible, and when I came to quickly realize that this was in fact a reality, I was gutted. I'm still gutted as we are talking right now. Luckily, Chris Drury is now the new GM and president of the New York Rangers. If Chris Drury was not in the New York Rangers organization, I would probably be screaming on the top of my lungs right now with uh, Rangers fans like us are fortunate that we have such an intelligent mind still with this Rangers organization as the assistant GM, but to find the statement to have James Dolan and the reasoning quote from himself, that this was a strictly a performance issue and that changes need to be made. And oh, we thank JD and Jeff for all that, all their contributions that they've done to this Rangers prior to yesterday's game as well. Remember guys earlier in the day for James Dolan to do this, for, for a team that is notorious, a, a original 16 that cares about PR and how they look, that is all just completely out the door by this. And for them to even have the audacity of saying that this statement one way or another is not in connection, even with James Dolan supposedly being the main driver of this, not Jeff Gorin and John Davidson, according to numerous reports. In my mind, is still an absolute joke because there w- there was not a tipping point that didn't happen in connection to this. That wouldn't would prompt, wouldn't prompt would prompt up Army Dolan to fire them both when you only have a couple games left in the season. That this is performance. Is James really living under a rock, not realizing we're in a rebuild? This stuff takes time. What has Jeff Gordon done since he became the full official GM of the Rangers? After Glenn Sather? he has been um, phenomenal. He has easily been one of the better GMs in all the NHL. Has he been perfect? No. But he has been dra- he has been tremendous with plenty of the Rangers drafting. He has made crucial trades, such smart and meticulous trades for the Rangers for years now. And just like he did with Boston, building their core group that you see now with all their main top guys that have been in their playoff runs, Stanley Cup runs the past decade. He was cut snub short of witnessing Boston on the rise. And now the same exact thing happened with the Rangers with this rebuild and to add a further John Davidson who is such a pivotal part of this Rangers organization, not just from his time as a phenomenal goaltender, but as we all know, was a longtime commentator with Sam Rosen to then leave the Rangers, go on to have greater roles with the St. Louis Blues, helped build their core. Ultimately, a big part of their core helped win the Stanley Cup two years ago. Same thing that with the Columbus Blue Jackets, building a really strong core there too. Coming the to Rangers, as Stephen and I were saying earlier, to really wrap up his career, knowing that he's always been a New York Ranger. That's why he's known for. He loves New York to come here and hopefully finish his career. A year and a half in as president, James Dolan tells him, "Hey, you're out of here. That's it. I won't. I doubt we'll see James ever. I'm. Pardon me. I th- I doubt we will ever see JD connected." to the Rangers organization ever again, not anytime soon. And that is the biggest, thing, one of the many things that bothers me. You smack a Ranger alumni who is so widely respected, who is such a phenomenal person inside and out, is disgusting to me. And it just shows you what you can do with money, man. It, it really overpowers everything. And rational, emotional decisions, that is what led to this tipping point. To say it was just performance is the biggest load of bullshit you can ever tell me. So, Steven. What is your stance on this matter? And what is the numerous theories I know that you've been coming up with since this first uh,
0: parent? See, earlier this week, I thought the biggest mistake a billionaire made was Bill Gates getting divorced. But James Dolan just trumped that now. James Dolan, Dolan his decision makes no sense to me. Um, I have a theory. I don't know if it's true, but looking at what happened this season, this is how I feel. I think it had a little bit to do with performance, but not necessarily where we are in the standings. Um, I think that Jeff Gordon and, and John Davidson just weren't willing to do what James Dolan asked of them. And that's why he got rid of them. Um, so I, how I see it is is this, this is my theory. It's, it's just, it's not confirmed. I, I didn't, ha- I didn't get this from a source. This is just my own theory that I came up with. Earlier this season, when David Quinn was out with COVID, we had Chris Knobloch behind the bench for two weeks. Chris Drury was with him behind the bench, and the Rangers played like a completely different team. They played like a Stanley Cup contender. They were that dominant. I feel that James Dolan wanted to move on from David Quinn having seen the discrepancy between Quinn behind the bench and Quinn sitting at home. But Jeff Gordon and and John Davidson taking Quinn's side where Chris Drury would have taken Knoblock's side. That's that's the theory that I have. I don't know if it's true. I I don't think David Quinn is going to be here much longer. I think he's going to be the next casualty in this organizational restructure. but. A lot will depend on uh, what happens next week. We play our last game on Saturday. Next week will be the exit interviews with all the players. And as we know, exit interviews with players are are the biggest aspect when it comes to determining the future of a head coach. In 2013, the Rangers had made the playoffs three seasons in a row, made it to the conference final the year prior, and Tortorella was out because the players were done looking at how the players performed with Knoblock behind the bench compared to how they performed when quinn came back i wouldn't be surprised if the players are at that point now where they are willing to say we do not feel comfortable playing for this coach anymore if that's the case then then quinn will be gone and there's a pretty good chance that chris Knobloch will be promoted and drury said something earlier today that they need to find people for hartford which only makes sense if there are vacancies in hartford and as far as i know there's no vacancy in hartford and you'd have to
1: think that no one's actually getting fired but that people would be moving up if anything
0: yeah so Knobloch moving up and becoming the rangers head coach makes sense he has a little bit of nhl experience coaching the flyers of course uh he has done a really good job in hartford um so it could be that day they're just more comfortable with that guy behind the bench. And, and not that David Quinn has been awful. He's had some baffling decisions. Yes. But I think David Quinn for him to be the Rangers coach long-term, he had to develop as well. He had to improve his and, and change his the way he coaches as well. And I don't think David Quinn has changed as a coach at all in the last three years. I think he's still the same college coach he was three years ago. Um, but you know, that's just a theory. Um, I'm shocked that, that Davidson and Gordon are out. Uh, I'm happy that Chris Drury has taken over and not Mark Messier. Um, because that, that was my biggest fear when I heard about them getting fired that either Glenn Sather or Mark Messier was going to come in and was going to ruin our entire rebuild. Um, because I want someone with experience. Chris Drury has worked his way up the last ten years. Ever since he retired from hockey, he worked his way up to where he is right now. That's he's how a you do it. Mine.
1: He's been. Yes. There's a reason why he's been so sought after. I'm sure you guys know this by now. But Drury has been getting offers left and right for yep. actual GM roles between the Florida, Panthers, Penguins, uh, Florida, and I think Buffalo, Florida. too. A lot, and, and he's turned them all down. And uh, there's a clear connection that Drury has turned them down. One. He grew up a Rangers fan. That's definitely a caveat. Kind of like the same thing with Adam Fox. You know, he got to play with the Rangers towards the end of his career, um, was solid with them as well. But you can tell he's always been wanting to be ingrained with the Rangers. And as soon as he came here, he has not wanted to leave. And if he did, he would have taken one of those hires a while ago already. And I think he kind of knew this one now with Dolan, that a door would open at some point. It was just a matter of when and where. And clearly that time came yesterday and I, I'm excited for him. I really am. It's just, I'm honestly I'm just more concerned about the fact of you, who you're kicking out. You know, it's not like this to say Glenn Sather when he was still GM. When all he was known for during the 2010s and before that was really just blowing up this team. This was not a rebuild. It was constantly trying to reaffirm, getting rid of any type of farm you had for, you know, grizzled vets that are probably past their prime trying to keep your playoff hopes alive. A lot of things that we saw with Jim Rutherford recently until he was done with the Penguins. Um, And then when you look at Drury coming in now, I love that mind, but Jeff Gordon, he's not going to be out on the street lawn. Are you joking? This guy's a phenomenal mind for all we know. He could be going to a rival before we know it. And I wouldn't blame him whatsoever, but he's an intelligent man. And that is more so why I'm, we're all just kind of baffled and taken back. We're not bothered by the Chris Drury aspect. As you're alluding to right now, it is the fact of who you kicked out to bring in Chris Drury. So Drury has a lot of big shoes to fill. I'm confident in him. Um, Whether he stays both president and GM has yet to be determined. But, Stephen, I would love to hear your stance on the whole Mark Messier matter because, again, as Ranger fans, we love Mark Messier. There's no doubting that. He will always go down as one of the best, if not the greatest Ranger legend that you could ever think of when you first think of the Rangers. But there's a clear difference with being a Rangers legend and a guy who's established, even like John Davidson. There was worries for a while. My father would always quote this on saying he doesn't know if uh, JD would ever come in the reins for, to work for the Rangers again, like in a management role. Cause he doesn't want to tarnish his, his legacy, you know, he, but the difference is that JD has actually worked himself up. He has a lot of plenty of experience under his belt, being a higher up, whether it's a GM or a president that he has been with the blues and the CBJ most recently. So let me hear your thoughts about Mark Messier in detail, because I would love to explain his comments that he did on the Michael K. Show yesterday at the time of recording
0: this. Yeah. So before I go into the old Mark Messier thing, uh, the other thing I wanted to highlight is that yes, Jeff Gordon has done a great job when it comes to trading and you know signing the right players, and our draft picks have looked really good. But there has been an issue in the last two years that um, has been has been brushed aside by a lot of fans as, oh, it's just a player having an issue. It's just an incident with one player.
1: Yeah, I know what you're going to say.
0: Time, and you go, oh, it's an issue with a second player. And then it happened a third time, and you know where I'm going with this. You know, we had the Lias Anderson situation. Then we had the Vitali Kraftsov situation where he complained about a lack of communication. Then you had Capo Kaka, who was very critical of David Quinn in a Finnish podcast. Uh, this year, we have Julien Gauthier, who's clearly not used the right way. Uh, Brendan Lemieux is asking for a trade. We've had the Anthony D'Angelo debacle where he and Georgiev got into a fight. And all of a sudden, you have a player earning $4 million on the taxi squad. All those things combined, like each of these things individually, separate in a vacuum, isn't really a reason to, to criticize your general manager. But if you put all those things together and realize that all those things happen in the span of 24 months, there are some underlying issues that might have played into this decision as well. Because at the end of the day, you want to keep your players happy. Your players are your product. Your players on the ice are what's going to win you a cup, Is what's going to get you in the playoffs. Those are your money makers. Your general manager by proxy is making you money because he's putting the best team together. But it's much easier to replace a general manager than it is to replace a player like Panarin or Zabanajad if that player has an issue with how the organization is run. Anyway, when it comes to Messier, I just want to start by saying, you know, I know fans love him, and there's no denying that he changed the course of this franchise when he arrived in 1991 as a player. There's no denying that. I'm not going to argue against that at all. However, we're talking about the job that he wanted to be president of the New York Rangers, a billion-dollar company. Their net worth is $1.6 billion. You don't just walk into a job like that where you are the president of a billion-dollar company without any experience. Ever since he retired, when did he retire, 2004?
1: Yeah, it's been a while.
0: Yeah, it's been a while. He's been retired for 17 years. Ever since he retired, he has done zero work in any of the positions that could have prepared him for this. He was a consultant, which is easy. Anyone can be a consultant because there's no risk. There's no responsibility. There's no accountability. Yeah, you you can say, I would have done it differently. But if you're wrong, no one's going to fire you. Being a consultant doesn't make you qualified you need someone for a role like this with experience either in the position or in the organization preferably both you cannot just pick someone from the street which messier technically is pick someone up from the street and put him in a position to be president of your billion dollar company it's not an entry-level position it's a position you need to grow into or a position you need to have done for different for a different organization in my opinion and chris drury has done what I would have expected Mark Messier to do. Chris Drury has worked his way up ever since he retired from hockey. He was an uh, assistant general manager. He was involved in player development. He was involved in scouting. He was the uh, general manager of Team USA. Then he was promoted to associate general manager last year. And now he's general manager slash president. He has worked to get to where he is right now. Whereas Mark Messier sounds like a guy who just sits back and expect things to come to him because he, he won the Rangers a cup in 1994. And that's just that's just not how it works. Just because you were a good player on the ice doesn't mean you'll be successful in a front office job or an upper uh, management Wayne Gretzky. Let's think you know, about Wayne Gretzky for a second. Wayne Gretzky is a head coach in Arizona. It was a disaster because being on the ice is not the same as being behind the bench. And that's just the head coach position. We're talking about being the president of a company where you have people reporting to you, you have to make decisions about who to promote, who to fire, who to replace. It's it's not it's not the same as as even even being a head coach. If if Mark Messier had done anything remotely uh, organizational after his retirement, I wouldn't I wouldn't be this. Uh, I wouldn't be this direct about about being against it, but he has done nothing. He's done ever since he retired. He's done nothing. He hasn't had a job in the organization or in any other NHL organization. He's been a consultant. That's it. Um, and I, so i,
1: I, I'm, I here not to cut you yeah, off. I okay. just want to add here quick. Um, what should really be noted about Messier too is. How he was on the Michael K show yesterday at the time of recording this, guys. So it's either going to be uh, a day or two removed from from time you watch this and listen. But you, uh, Michael K show, they were asking him, you know, his stances on everything, and they asked, oh, uh, what do they know about Chris Drury and his role? And Messi said how he really doesn't know much of anything about Chris. Um, they played against each other towards the end of Messi's career when he was no longer with the Rangers and that he you know they've interacted slightly. Sometimes he thinks he will be fine. But then when he was asked if he believed that the James Dolan firing situation had anything to do with the Tom Wilson statement and all that, he said, you know, he, he has no way to comment because he has been out of touch with the Rangers for years. So that in my mind is also a little alarming because if Messier would be in a position where he does become present and who knows, maybe he still will be at this rate. I'm not in favor for it because, as Stephen is is saying here, we have our natural concerns with the lack of experience. But if you do bring Mess in, he hasn't even been following the Rangers on the daily or even close to the past numerous years. In my mind, that's also a big red flag. You should Mm -hmm. at least have an idea of what you're getting yourself into instead of having to just look at the numbers right away and basically meet everyone for the first time outside of saying your hellos on alumni nights, you know, once or twice a year. So that, in my mind, is another big red flag on the whole Messier thing. We love Mess, but again, I get it that the guy was a leader. He was a captain of this team. He's phenomenal. We all love him. But as Steven has kept saying, there's a drastic difference between being a phenomenal player and being a phenomenal president, anything in upper management. That does take years of experience, and I'm beyond grateful that the Rangers do have a guy by the name of Chris Drury, who spent the last decade plus doing nothing but work his ass off to be in the position that he's now currently in.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and again, this is this has nothing to do with Messier as a person or what Messier did as a player, but there's a, a, a Dutch football coach who years ago uh, said something that has always stuck with me, and it loosely translates to a good horse does not automatically make a good jockey. And that's that hits the nail on the head. You cannot expect someone to be a good head coach just because he was a good player. And the same thing goes for general manager director of player development and yeah there are some examples of people who have been put in that position who have actually succeeded um, but Mark Messier hasn't done anything hockey related since he retired yeah sometimes he shows up at Madison Square Garden and the one thing he's really good at is waving at fans because that's basically what he does and the guy should have a statue in front of Madison Square Garden for what he did for this team but he, he's, not, he's not fit to be president of a billion-dollar company. Then again, James Dolan is the owner. If he makes the call, it's his money. It's his organization. So, I mean, my opinion at the end of the day doesn't mean anything. I'm not the one who owns the Rangers. But if it was me, I would want something in that position who has done it before or who has proven at different levels that they are capable of, of those things. I know Glenn Sader is now um, involved, um, and I he's hope he's guide Drury. Yeah, he's gonna guide Drury, and I hope and, and I'm happy with that because Glenn Seder has been in that position. I hope Glenn Sader guides him when it comes to the business side of the job. Just leave Chris Drury to do the operational side. Yeah. Yep, that that that's all I care about because Chris Drury has been groomed by Jeff Gordon. I don't think Chris Drury is going to be drastically different from Jeff Gordon. Having Drury in place softens the blow for me. Yes, I was a little bit shocked that Gordon was gone. um, But Drury replacing him makes me feel better. Um, John Davidson being gone, it doesn't really bother me that much, to be honest. Yeah, he's a great guy. I met him a few times. He's a great guy. But I always had the feeling that when JD came in, in 2019... It was it was never really clear who made the decision. It's like we had two captains trying to steer the ship, and in my opinion, that caused more confusion than it was actually helpful. So having Drury now taking up both those positions, having one person in charge of all of it, I think is 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 a better is a better structure to have.
1: I think it's a smarter role overall. Um, now that you say that, because JD, as much as I love him, and I thought he was fine with it, I didn't think let me put it this way. I don't think JD did anything wrong during his time with Rangers as president, but maybe, maybe he, there was a slight conflict, conflict of interest with uh, Gordon at times, yeah. because you're right. Because you're right. Those are two guys that normally do call a lot of the shots. And hmm. Gordon is an aggressive GM. And at least he's very meticulous about his decision-making. We know this. And Gordon and, uh, and um, JD is a guy who normally runs a lot of the show. So that's a great point. And um, when you look in now, Drury have been both GM and president. I'm, I, I will say, as kind of bizarre as this may seem, I am more comfortable with that, at least at this point in time, until we maybe find out mm-hmm. that a new president comes in place or something. But as long as he can handle the pressure, by all means, let's let him guide himself then yeah. so he doesn't have to worry about a straight direction from someone still ahead of him.
0: See, what's weird to me, and this is how I feel, is that I think there was still room for J.D. if Drury is the general manager. I think having a president who's hands-on on the operational side of things is fine if you have a general manager who's still learning things about the position. If you have a, 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 someone who's just starting as a general manager, but Jeff Gordon has done this before. When you have a general manager like Jeff Gordon, you need a president who's who's not a hands-on guy, someone who sits back, lets things happen and intervenes when needed. but. Like I said, every, the last two years have been a little bit of a mess. And we tend to focus on the positives, you know, the, all the trades we've mentioned and signing Panarin and uh, somehow managing to get Adam Fox and drafting guys like, like Kraftsoff and Lundqvist and Miller, all great. But uh, it, it has been a little bit of a mess in this organization with how players have walked away from this team. Um, how players have openly criticized the coaching, the management, the way they are allowed to rehab from injuries. So it's not like Gordon and, and JD were perfect. You know, they, they definitely, they definitely had some. There were some some red flags. Not to the point where I would have made the decision to fire them, but I, I can I can understand it to a point. But with Drury in place now, I'm confident that the rebuild is still on. If Messier was, was in charge, I was going to be terrified that we were going to trade Lafreniere for Ryan Reeves or something. Because the first thing that went through my head when I heard that Messier was, was one of the front runners for the president's position, the first thing that went through my head was Tony Amonti. In 1994, the Rangers traded Tony Amonti for, I don't even know who they traded him for, like Steve Larmer and uh, no, Stefan Matteau. Who was the second guy they got from Chicago? Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. I think I I think it was Larmer
0: and uh, Matteau. Yeah, Larmer and Matteau. They got Larmer and Matteau for Tony Amonti, which in hindsight, you know, it's fine. We won a cup, so it worked. But if you look at it from, from a distance... And if you look at it long term, the Rangers gave up a a really good forward that they could have used for a decade, and and they they got two players that were gone within like a year and a half. And I, I'm just I was just afraid that if Messier was in charge, we were going to give up our future for a quick run. And if that run doesn't pan out, then you're fucked. Yeah. If the Rangers don't win that cup in 1994, if they lose to the Devils, which they, I mean, it's not unrealistic. They were down 3 2 in the conference final. If they lose to the Devils in 94, then, then no one's talking about Neil Smith. No one's talking about Mark Messier. Uh, Brian Leach, Mike Richter, Adam Graves don't have their numbers up in the rafters. None of that happens. And yeah. I know ironic that I mentioned the Tony Amonte trade because Stefan Matteau scored in game seven against the Devils. But <sighs> bad trades can still look like good ones if you win the cup. On the other end of the spectrum, good trades can look like bad ones if you don't win the cup. The Keith well, Yandel trade, my experience, was a good trade.
1: Well, just I, just want, when- I just want to add to Stephen. You know, it's true. Look, when you're going all in on a cup year – all hell breaks loose. You tend to you you put the future aside because you're in on the now. We, it happens every year. This is what the Rangers were notorious for during Glenn Saylor's time in the 2010s. Every single year at the deadline, it's like if the Rangers did not make a drastic move for a veteran, you're like, what the hell are they doing? If you look at the most recent Cup winner in the New Jersey Devils, they gave a first round pick for Barkley Goudreau. They also gave up not just a, I believe, a first round pick, but a fantastic prospect and foot. To the Devils for Blake Coleman, and look, that worked out in the end. They won the Stanley Cup, and those mm-hmm. guys have been with them still. It is working out for them, but they gave up a hell of a lot of their future. Yeah. Now they're they're in a unique position because they're still younger. It's not like that they're all they're one of the oldest teams in the league. You know they're benefiting from this. They made smart moves while still overpaying. But the point is, is that this happens all the time. So there are always going to be those risk factors in. And if the Rangers found themselves in a position where, say, Messier or whoever, it doesn't matter, anyone that would come in now as president or GM and blow blow shit up, go for Alexander Ovechkin, but you give up Alexi Lafreniere, Capo Caco. It's not going to do you any good. Even if you win the cup, it's going to feel so good in that moment. But is that really worthwhile in the end when you risk having a potential dynasty on your hands? And I don't think that's an exaggeration when you look at how this team has been
0: building. I, I have a question for you. Okay. I'm going to paint two scenarios and I want you to choose. Scenario A, you you win the cup in 2022, miss the playoffs for 10 years, and then win another cup in 2032. Scenario A. Or scenario B, you make the playoffs every year. You're a contender for over a decade. You make the final three times. You only win once.
1: Contender every year. Contender every year. Because – even
0: though you
1: know do, you're only with one cup, only yes, only one cup because it is damn difficult to win a Stanley Cup. Don't get me wrong, but I much rather follow my Rangers and watch intense hockey every single year for a decade straight and get this close. It'll it'll rip me to shreds, but by God, I will be watching every single year. For me personally, as a fan, I love this rebuild, but my interest is naturally drawn away as the season gets to the latter half because I can only go so long knowing that the only prote- the only focus on watching these games is that you're watching for the young development which is fun but it's developing and you know for a young fan like myself I don't just want that but I'm thinking of myself when I was even younger and it was playoff run after playoff run it's just the intensity was there you love that you feed off that that's why you're a hockey fan if you don't get that constant reassurance at the end of the day if you have a decade off of no playoff hockey, that could ruin a man. That could potentially ruin a man's fandom, and maybe that's more of a casual fan outlook for for other people. I understand that, but it's a reality. I feel like you're playing far too more, much risk. The amount of growth that you would have within an organization and with your fan base would be second to none if you have a decades worth of playoff runs. Win the Stanley Cup once, but you make it to the dance three times. That, in my mind, is an unbelievably professional team that has a constant winning mentality, but is able to keep it and sustain it over a 10-year span.
0: Yeah, so the Rangers won the Cup in 94, right? Yes. In 1994, there was a new sitcom that started, Friends. Yes. <laughs> if you, if you like the first five seasons of Friends, there's New York Ranger references sprinkled oh, sprinkled around. You know? They're going to a Rangers game. Uh, Joey wears a Brian Leach jersey. There's Joey and Chandler have hockey sticks in their apartment. If you watch How I Met Your Mother, a sitcom located in New York City, is there is there any Rangers reference? Any? There's some Canucks references because one of the characters is Canadian. Yep. But it was different. The 90s were different. The Rangers won a cup in 94, and everyone was talking about it. Pop culture was talking about the New York Rangers. That's what I'm missing. I want that again. I want the Rangers to have that for a decade. I want what the Bruins have. The Bruins that Jeff Gordon put together over the last 10 years have made the Stanley Cup final, and this is why I chose them as a scenario B. They made the Stanley Cup final three times, 2011, 2013, 2019. They only won one cup, but they've been contenders every every year. It must have been a lot of fun for Bruins fans to watch them the last decade. It's been
1: phenomenal. I, I remember the Stanley Cup win like it was yesterday. The Tim Thomas story coming out of nowhere. The young group finally getting together. And it's when you look back, it's crazy that they have not won in basically a decade now. When you look at how strong their core has been, they did that without Brad Marchand being the Brad Marchand that we know him today. That we all absolutely love to hate, but you love him if you're if he's on your team. That line with Pasten Bergeron, it's, it's some of the best in hockey. So now imagine how good
0: they would have been if they didn't trade away Tyler Sagan for spare parts. Oh, they made no,
1: let, let's let's not get on a tangent with the stupid trades Boston has made, okay? Trust me, we can go down the list, but my point though is that you want that decade. That is what builds a fandom. I would want. not I would not be stand, I would not be talking to you today if mm-hmm. the Rangers did not have the run like they did in 2010. Yeah. I I I just I wouldn't be here. I I started following the Rangers heavily around um, 20, uh, 2010, I was starting to really get into them, but 2011, I think 2011 was really when it started, like the year, as we got into losing to the devils and the conference finals, you know, that was it. That yeah. was it. That was the first season I watched every single game for the
0: Rangers. that's not, not skipped a beat since. But that was a great season in many ways. The fact that the Rangers were in the winter classic gave them a little bit more exposure. They swept the flyers. They had some great memorable games. Chris Kreider debut in the playoffs. But the two scenarios I painted earlier, the way I feel, um the contender for a decade is what you get when you stick with Chris Drury. Winning a cup, maybe win a cup now, but then suck for ten years. That's what I'm afraid of if a guy like Messier is in charge. Because he will be chasing he will be chasing the success. And if you look at the Rangers in the 90s, there were decisions made by Neil Neil Smith, the general manager, that were sort of forced on him by Mark Messier. Mark Messier impacted more than just what happened on the ice. And what did we get for it? Well, yeah, we got a conference final in 97. That's about it. We had three fun years of Wayne Gretzky. The guy put up 90 points in his late 30s. That was that was fun but was there any success no and then we got to the dark ages you had seven years without a playoff playoff appearance I don't want that I want to be a, 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 a I want to be a contender every year I want to make the playoffs every year. I can live with a first or second round exit once in a while if I know that I'm gonna be back next year. I don't want to have a team full of mercenaries. I want to have a team full of players that we drafted that we developed That have our identity, and if the Rangers are going, the Rangers need to do one thing this summer. They need to fill out their team and balance it a little bit, because it is it is skill heavy. Yes, I agree.
1: Yeah, and I I think when you talk about skill heavy, um, we should also recognize that. We don't want a goon. Um, we're not we're not in favor. We went over this last episode of having a guy that's just a pylon that will do nothing but throw his fist. You want that agitation, but it's funny because when we talked about the Kachuk brothers and we didn't even mention Brady, I would be in so favor of either of them. Those are two prime examples of guys you absolutely love to have on your team, especially for a team young, promising, going into hopefully a decade's worth of playoff runs. Like those are the guys a thousand percent. Now, yep. can the Rangers build that with themselves, with guys like Will Cooley, a 19-year-old who's with the Wolfpack right now, I just saw how to fight the other day? Sure. Maybe. Who knows? But you you still you want to find that balance. And I do think the Rangers are going to do that. And I, I'd be, I would be lying to you if I said I'm not more intrigued about this offseason now than I what I would have been if, J, if J.D. and Gordon were still there because – there's a lot of uncertainty now. You know, if, if if this is by any stretch of the imagination based off of performance, which we are not under the belief it is, but if that is in fact the case, what kind of moves are the Rangers going to make? Are they really going to really go all in on possibly uh, another big center? Even though as well as Ryan Storm and Mikas i have done, do they want to take a, a step further and go for a guy who's dominant on both ends of the ice? Like, Will they go in all on a, all, all on a Sasha Barkov, who I doubt given how smart their GM is? Um, Bill Zito, really smart guy. Or uh, Jack uh, – not Jack Campbell. <laughs> Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel, is that a guy? Or are you going to kind of do what Tampa did that we started to get a taste of with getting those grittier guys, but they're younger? There are plenty of guys in the league right now that I could see the Rangers target – Maybe you maybe you overpay a little bit. Maybe you give up a first round pick for two years from now or something because you know it's gonna be a latter half first round pick for a guy that'll probably be on your third line could be on your second line but it's a pretty balanced two-way forward uh, to bring some grit are you going to add maybe to the blue line a little bit more because i know that there have been reports of the rangers showing interest in maybe another top four top six defensemen uh, with brendan smith a future uncertain and you're probably not going to do all rookies next year for the most part like having Niels Lundquist in the line of zach jones like there's uncertainties there so they want to round out this lineup and i will just say one more thing too and I don't think anything's going to change. I still believe that his contract will be bought out or he's traded, but you have to wonder how this affects Tony D'Angelo because Jeff Gordon is the guy, as we all know, that kicked Tony, Tony out the door. So is there a different impression with someone like Drew now knowing that James Dolan may very well, and same thing with Glenn there as they advocate, they want grit on this team. And as much as I know a lot of you guys are going to be saying, I hate Tony D'Angelo. Whether that's because of him as a player or as a person, I, I probably can get an understanding which side of the coin you're on. But still, Tony brought Flair to this team, and there was no doubting that. You'd have to wonder, well, what would have happened if this whole Wilson situation, I can bet you all the money in the world, Tony would have dropped the gloves. He would, not, he would have been drooling out the mouth for that moment. And those are the kind of players the Rangers need. I'm not saying that they're going to keep Tony, but he is someone you have to think about—a guy who is highly talented. Maybe he's pretty one-dimensional. He's not great defense. We know that, but he's a prime example of what the Rangers need. They need that grit in their lineup, but a young grit and a grit that is not going to cost you suspension after suspension. You know, um, he's he's hot-headed. We know that. So I'm just—he's an interesting factor. Uh, we won't get into him. I just want to throw that out there because I'm curious if the Gordon factor changes everything. But it's guys like him in the sense of younger-minded, like the Kachuk brothers, to name a few also. Those are the kind of guys the Rangers should try to be singling out if they're going to single out any type of player.
0: Yeah, and um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see, to see what they're going to come up with. Um, I personally think that the trade we're going to see is not going to be for a big superstar. I think we're going to see a gaverick type trade. Where we trade a big guy, like a big player, like Bujnevich, for a package of two or three role players in your bottom nine to fill out the team a little bit to give your team a little balance. Um, who those players will be, I don't know, but we'll see. Drury is is in charge now, and I have faith in Drury. I'm I'm yeah. happy. That, I'm happy that he's the one taking over. Um, and we'll have to wait and see but this whole situation man I keep coming back to to this couldn't this have waited a week?
1: yeah exactly but here's the thing that's what completely contradicts the belief that what has transpired with the statement has nothing to do with this, this performance- came
0: out if, if this is performance based, why do it now there's three why do so
1: urgent? eliminate why be so emotional about it? Frank Saravelli for TSN came out with a statement uh, yeah. when this all broke down. And in a nutshell, he was saying how he was hearing things that uh, apparently JD and Gordon were kind of running away from the statement where mm-hmm. they basically knew about it, but they didn't say that they knew about it until after the statement came out. So there's a lot of conflicting reports here in my mind for the, the common census is that James Dolan was the one driving this. Okay. if That's a, if that's the case. Fine. But You have to really wonder if that was not a factor at all for J.D. and Gordon. Why are you going to make a completely emotional and to an extent, I would say even irresponsible decision on Dolan's part for sure Mm -hmm. to do this only a couple games. It it completely eliminates the whole aspect of caring about PR as well. Like trying to have a good look. You shocked the hockey world yesterday. You had when, non-hockey yeah. fans talking about this. It didn't matter what you were – as long as you knew in a nutshell who the New York Rangers were, you knew how drastic and how insane yesterday was, yeah. firing your president and GM. Who are established people in the NHL?
0: Speaking of how shocking this is, when Elliot Friedman tweeted this out, he got calls from other general managers telling him it's not true. that's my point that's exactly
1: my point who knew who knew this was gonna happen
0: He, he got calls from other general managers saying this is not true and then those general managers called around and got back to him five minutes later saying sorry we just heard it from other people it's ridiculous nobody expected this it's it's a crazy situation um it's it's the last thing I wanted my team to deal with in the middle of a rebuild, but it is what it is.
1: It, it, it is what it is. That's the that's best way to kind of ch- um, wrap up this uh, episode of Rangers Review because, look, at the end of the day, we're fans. We're emotional. I was emotional. I was saying a lot of explicit things. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, uh, it's kind of funny to me. It feels like James Dolan finally gets the New York Knicks figured out after having 8 years straight without – um, you know, a playoff caliber team above 500 the Knicks have their first winning season in eight years after James Dolan be notorious of the guy that does not put his fingers in the hair of the Rangers because he doesn't know a look about hockey. He'll gladly pay those checks, but he thinks he knows anything about basketball and all Knicks fans hate him for it. So the one year, the one year James Dolan decides not to touch the New York Knicks any longer. He goes in and does this to the New York Rangers. Coincidence? I think so. So that that's kind of my final statement on it. And one last thing regarding the mayhem for the Rangers and the game, I just want to share my brief thoughts, is that this was crazy. I did not expect the guys to drop the gloves right in the beginning. That was surprising me. I had no clue what retaliation we were going to see. I expected retaliation, but the Rangers, it, they made a statement, and the NHL ate it up for breakfast. This is what they want. They want everyone to see must-see TV. Let's watch the Rangers, who were out of the playoffs against the Capitals team, locked in on NBC night, Wednesday night rivalry. Everyone watch it, fights left and right. Most of the fights weren't even that good. There were a couple of decent ones. It was just a statement game. The Rangers had to show that as a team that they were here, we would be defending guys like Buchanavich. same thing with Panarin, most notably. And they did a good job at that. They did. I'm proud of the team that they defended themselves, but it's a joke. You have the NHL, the Department of Player Safety, that does not suspend Tom Wilson, even for that damn game. And because of that, they allow the exact opposite of what they quote-unquote are trying to eliminate. Fighting in the game is something the angels is trying to get rid of, yet they are so desperate for dollars that they need to make sure that that game happened last night the way it did. That shows you the, hypo- the hypocrisy with this league, with the Department of Player Safety, and Gary Bettman more than anything. They are complete hypocrites. They want to help players. They want to get rid of CT. They want to get rid of fighting in the game. They would not have allowed yesterday to transpire, and yet they did shows you a lot about what, where the current mindsets are really at and how much of a fools a lot of us maybe have felt like for a while. It's going to be very interesting to see how things transition now when they're with the bigger market for the most part with ESPN and TNT next year for the foreseeable future. Normally, what draws people into hockey, anyone you ask, at least from a North American standpoint, is fighting. Every single person I know that is a casual hockey fan is like, oh, I love the fights. And I'm looking at them like, Fighting isn't even a thing in today's NHL. It's 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 so it's such a has been, you know, but that is what draws people. And at the end of the day, all, all the NHL gives a damn about is the dollars. That's all sports gives a damn about. So don't forget that, guys. We don't have sports leagues because of everyone being diehard sports fans. No, we have it because it's about money. It's a money's game through and through its marketing, is what can we do to give the fans a good experience? But in a nutshell, we get loaded at the same time. The NHL has sucked with its marketing. So now they're trying to flip-flop and be completely contradictive to what they stand for. And they're going to ignore this. They're going to act like the game kind of never happened, but at the same time, they're going to be proud that it did, knowing that they, they got the type of revenue last night in the game that they did. They're just complete hypocrites. They're all just complete hypocrites. On Steve. national television. On national television. Absolutely. I don't think that this would have happened if this wasn't a rivalry night with everything that transpired on NBC Sports. There's no doubt. If we're going to if we're going to be done with NBC, let's go out with a bane, right? Yeah. And that and that and that's really all, folks. That's all, yeah, <laughs> all I right. yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm done, what Steven. Else? We're over this. We're not even gonna talk about, it. we're gonna wait. We're gonna wait to talk about the Rangers again. I next time we will do an episode will be after I think what would be best is once the season's actually done. They only have three games left. We'll hold off until mm-hmm. there. So Rangers fans, I appreciate you chiming in. I hope you guys enjoyed. What was supposed to be a half-hour episode got doubled because we're just ranting here. But I would love to know your thoughts in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube and if you're watching this on Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for that as well. Again, throughout the summer, we're going to be uh, kind of rebranding and changing a lot of things from the YouTube and podcast format, really gelling more into one, getting things kind of better. So you guys have a great, better expectation in the off going in the draft and next season. So stay tuned for all that, guys. But other than that, let's go Rangers, baby. Steven, any final thoughts before we get out of here?
0: Um, yeah, I, it's, it's been a weird week, um, but I'm happy that we still have a competent man in charge in Drury.
1: Yes. Praise Chris Drury. He knew, he knew his time would come. I don't think he expected his time to come right now. I think, I think he was still probably a year away. I think would be fair. And that's, that's the thing
0: with Chris Drury. He was. He, was uh, he, has, he has connections all over the league. He's, he was a well-respected player. He's a Hobie Baker winner. He's won a Stanley Cup. He's played for different organizations. He has connections everywhere. He was the general manager of Team USA, so he spoke to all these general managers in, in, in the NHL about their players and how he wanted to use them. So the connections are there. I'm not worried about that at all. Um, we'll see how it goes. Um, I think we'll have a better understanding of where, what direction we're going in towards if, uh, after we've seen his first free agent signing and his first trade.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm excited for it, though. I, I a part of me kind of likes the uncertainty. It's like we've known the direction this team has been going down for a bit, so now you throw this curveball at
0: me. Okay, all right. Can you, I'm can you, imagine, can you imagine after the, all this went down if the Rangers win the draft lottery?
1: no i can't i really can't (laughs) the nhl you know that would be the biggest smack in the nhl's face more than anything i think that's what that would be can you imagine let's go for it let's go for that lottery pick Okay, let's let's lose let's lose the next two games. Let's let's get a let's get a smidgen closer. Again, probably not gonna happen. But one thing is certain the Rangers future. I said is bright. that last
0: year, Tyler, and I said it in 2019. Listen, listen, listen. I get it. No, I'm I not dude. gonna say it again. I don't want to be wrong again.
1: I I don't know. I think I think the magic's gone because Gordon's gone. I do. I, I really do. But regardless, the Rangers have a bright future. How bright is it? I don't know. This this feels like we're we're doing a uh a co- like a comedy like a sitcom. You know, let's wait and find out next season. You know, I have no clue, but I, I'm I'm excited. I'm intrigued. They've left me with that at least. And and Chris Drury, we trust. and Stephen. That's gonna do it for this episode. So again, thank you guys. Sorry for the promo- prolonged delay here, but I hope you all have a great day. And Stephen, let's go Rangers.
0: Let's go Rangers.